The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. Yo, how's it going, everyone? My name is Cameron Fry. I am the co-founder of His Girl Friday, and I just want to say up front, thank you so much for all your support over the past few weeks and months as we continue to build our podcasting presence. We know we're just getting started. However, to those of you who are following us on SoundCloud, Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, we greatly appreciate your support from your views to your comments. To all those SEO stats, bottom line, we love you and we appreciate your part in this big picture. As for tonight, we are in the second installment of our Visions of Vocation series. Tonight, we are going to build off that July 20th discussion and parlay that content with what was covered during Saturday's Commission U retreat. This episode will feature an introduction on marketplace vocation with our primary aim centered on seeing ourselves as kingdom agents and how to function as such in a way where we're all personally commissioned. So again, this will be a blend of Commission U content that was put together by my dad, but also with his Go Friday content that I've written in recent weeks. So when we talk about marketplace vocation, a good place to start is with the New Testament gifts. There are many different spiritual gifts that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, and Romans 12. And some of us, we get confused with them because there's so many to keep track of. So we're going to boil them down into three camps. The first are Jesus gifts, also known as ascension gifts or equipping gifts. This comes from Ephesians 4. These can be seen as part of our vocation. These gifts pertain to specific people with equipping functions in the church. So it's important to note that not all are equippers. However, even those who are not, as we'll discuss in greater detail, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, we're all hardwired with gifts and skill sets that can be used to influence and inspire people to Jesus, particularly in the workplace. And quick disclaimer, when we talk about the pastoral ascension gift, we're going to broaden that out to include elder and deacon as branches off of that, so know that that's coming in the minutes ahead. The second camp are the spirit gifts talked about in 1 Corinthians 12. Now these belong to the spirit in our gifts in a gathering. And like Romans 12, which is our third camp, the community gifts, they function on a more temporary, in-the-moment basis where the ascension slash equipping gifts, these are more predestined, something that God has marked us to walk in since the beginning of time. The key difference between the second and third camps, i.e. the spirit, first community gifts, are the spirit gifts belong to the spirit, and the community gifts belong to the local body, the church. So let's unpack the community gifts in Romans 12, starting in verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, 
the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So note right off the bat that this pertains to having everything in common, to walking in unity with one another. Ephesians 4, those ascension and equipping gifts, they pertain to our callings and destinies, but these community gifts, this is where the everyday life happens. Again, our identity, we're loved by God. Our individual vocations or callings, those are our equipping gifts, wirings that shape our influence in our workplace. But these community gifts, we can get tripped up on them because we sometimes will think that the equipping gifts and the community gifts are one and the same. But truth is, they're not. <laughs> For instance, I'm a pastor-teacher hybrid. Those are, of course, equipping gifts that I take no credit for. Granted, I make the choice daily to walk in them. But just because I may be more pastor than prophet doesn't mean I can't operate in the prophetic in a given moment as the Holy Spirit moves. Same thing with acts of service. Generosity is not at the top of the chart of my community gift list, even my love language. I'm much more of a quality time and words of encouragement type of guy. And those words of encouragement can come in handy in a prophetic nature as well as an exhortation nature. However, if I give someone an accurate word of prophecy, that doesn't automatically make me a prophet. And there are some that think that, ooh, I had a moment of this. This must make me that. I think sometimes we get so tripped up in our quest for self-discovery that when we encounter the Spirit moving in a particular way, we can warp that through pride and make a premature assumption that God must have wired me this way. The fact of the matter is, is that these community gifts are not mutually exclusive. They're not solely meant for X type person, Y type person, Z type person. Same thing with the Spirit gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the works of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, Verse 11 is the kicker. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. There's a little bit of Venn diagram action between the Spirit gifts and community gifts, so I understand that it's easy to get mixed up between 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. The key difference is who is meant to occupy them. We'll unpack that later on. For the rest of our time, I want to really do some compare and contrast with the Ephesians 4 gifts and the Romans 12 gifts that equipping and the community gifts. Let's go to Romans 4 verse 4 real quick. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. In this passage, the Greek comes in very handy. For instance, at the very end of verse 4, we note the Greek word praxis, which means practice function, and this involves regular and continual activity, whereas, go back to Romans twelve six through 8, the word for gifts relates to the word charisma or charismata. Some call these the father gifts. They are, in fact, grace gifts. They are not 
talents or skills. These are gifts that are intended to function together as a body of believers. This chapter of Romans has a little bit of First Peter to it in the sense that the bottom line is our core cause, a royal priesthood. That is the main takeaway here. Our identity is loved by God, but we filter that through Romans 4 and Romans 12. We see that our core call is the kingdom of priests. And our priestly identity manifests itself in different ways. So let's go to Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. We talked about that last time, or rather two podcasts ago. Wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Actually, this passage is very it's interesting in terms of the timeliness of it because we referenced it um, in our forbearance discussion last week and then the part one of our Visions of Vocation series, uh, July 28th. So we mentioned in that particular pod the word for vocation or calling is klesis. And while on one hand this pertains to a divine call to religious life, to entry into the priesthood or religious order, for the vast majority of us, this connects to the work in which a person is employed, an occupation, the person's engaged in a particular occupation. Or put another way, it's a strong inclination to a particular state or course of action. As the case with Romans 4, Paul is really drilling down on our universal calling as priests. And what's cool is if we're confused as to what our vocation or calling might be, when we filter Romans 12 through the lens of Ephesians 4, I believe a lot of that comes into greater clarity. The question is, how do the five ascension or equipping gifts, APET, connect to the community gifts? How do they overlap? How do they relate to one another? And again, as we connect the dots, we're not trying to suggest Everyone has an ascension equipping gift as it pertains to apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, because not all are equipped in that way. If not, we would miss a whole lot of specific vocational marketplace giftings. But we can say that those APET gifts, those equipping gifts, can be vocations that correspond to specific functions. That's, again, what Roman 12 is all about, an apostolic function, a prophetic function, and so on. In the marketplace, we understand these vocations as influencing functions. Apologies if this sounds repetitious, but just want to make sure that the foundation is laid without any lack of coherency. Quick preview into part three of our Visions of Vocation series. We're going to dive in into the deep end as far as how vocation, gift, and function go together, specifically through designer, developer, and manager filters through across that particular continuum. Some are peer designers, some are peer developers, some are peer managers, but a lot of us have some designer and developer. Some of us may have some manager or developer and so forth. But for now, we'll just settle this pod on what it truly means to be commissioned as kingdom agents in the marketplace. Specifically, gifts and vocations are not meant to be a sense of identity. If you ever put gifts before your identity, you're always going to be confused and you'll always frustrate yourself because identity always comes first. In other words, who you are and who you belong to always precedes the kind of ministry-specific function that you are built for to usher in the kingdom of God. Furthermore, if we see ourselves as kingdom agents, we will want to act redemptively and act restoratively. 
In other words, we'll want to use our calling in a way that preserves and highlights those parts of our work environments that reflect the kingdom, and we'll seek to give our colleagues, our co-workers, our supervisors a taste of God by calling forth their destinies. In other words, we're acknowledging the fact that God has given those around us in our workplace skills and gift sets to influence, just like he's done with us. Just because they may not be in an APET framework doesn't mean that they aren't somehow meant to be in an APET framework long term. Some of them may not have that recognition. Some of them may be lost entirely and not have a relationship with God at all. For some of us, we're simply meant to love on our co-workers in a way that points them in the direction of Jesus. And ideally, they find the hope of glory that we carry inside of ourselves as salt and light. Some of us, we're just meant to get them to the door. Others, we are more flavor enhancers where, you know, we take someone who's in a good place and we inspire them to change for the better. But these essentially are our common denominators, redemption and restoration. Really, this is something that we should all aim to. It doesn't matter so much how we're different, what our equipping gifts or our influencing gifts, our community gifts. We may get caught up in the differences, but they're all meant to redeem and restore. Losing sight of this will ultimately lead to a compartmentalized mentality where we do our Christian church life over here and our work secular life over there. As you know, the huge heart behind His Girl Friday is to bridge the gap, the divide between the sacred and the secular. For a lot of us, we work in hostile environments, but that doesn't mean the environment is toxic or that people will always stay mad at you. I know for me, one of the big revelations coming into this year was finally accepting the fact my work culture is not the enemy. Just because it's a tough arena doesn't mean that I can't operate in my giftings and callings. Oftentimes, what we take personally, or rather, what we're tempted to take personally, it boils down to people who cannot discern spiritual things in their natural mind. Many of them are plagued by principalities that reflect the true enemy. The beautiful thing about this is that when we accept this as truth, it empowers us to not be offended when we're labeled as inauthentic. For the believer, this is almost a lock to happen at one point or another. Someone's going to see the joy, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and they're going to think that that is just poppycock, that that can't be real because it hasn't been made known to them, hasn't been real to them, hasn't been reflected to them. Sometimes the goodness that we carry inside is someone else's first exposure to it. All the more reason to not get frustrated if someone can't initially comprehend. Sometimes we just have to be patient and be willing to walk with them, explain if they ask, but again, not let it get under our skin. We should be confident in the faith that we exude, the hope that we have. Plus, don't forget, our identity is, yes, loved by God, but we are acting as kingdom agents together where we can rise above whatever culture we find ourselves in and stay positive. Because again, our main goal, our primary aim is to redeem and restore through the works of ministry, the gifts that God has given us, redeeming the gifts uh, of our workplace and restoring individual people. Again, we're not the only one. Just because we are saved doesn't mean that we're the only ones that have gifts. There are other people who are walking in their gifts. They just don't know what they are, who they come from. And we're meant to show them, hey, this is why you have them. This is who they, this is who gave them to you. 
For example, a true kingdom agent would be able to rise above the mundane doldrums or self-absorbed tendencies of his workplace and yield to the grace of God that's evident, which is evident in certain places if we just look. While hidden, there are redemptive gifts in our organizations where we can use our vocation, our calling, our classes as a way to influence people. Knowing this, we could use our vocation as a platform to speak restoration to people. And when I say platform, think of it more as a median or a channel as opposed to a look at me, look what I can do type of platform. After all, we're not there to convict people and to bring some kind of fire and brimstone message of this is what happens to you if you don't repent from your sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job, according to John 16. We are there in our marketplace and our jobs to restore people, which is all the more reason that we must not place value on function. We must not seek to find our identity in function, vocation, and giftings. And we must be honest with ourselves about the affirmation and the recognition of gifts by coworkers and supervisors. I submit that a, a big reason why God has you where you are at your specific job is because the coworkers, the colleagues, the, the bosses around you, they need to be encouraged by words that only you have, that words that God alone has given you through his spirit. You are not there by mistake. You are not there by accident. We must get that lie out of our heads if we're going to really abide in this. Another deception, speaking of, that we have to be guarded against is that some gifts are more valuable than others. There's no hierarchy of value when it comes to spiritual giftings in the same way that there's no hierarchy in the Trinity. But the Trinity, we have three being in each other. So we have to look at the gifting grid in a different way where all can play a significant part, have far-reaching impacts if they are used as the Spirit intends. So if you're lost or confused with any of this content as I bring this in for landing, just remember your identity is always you're loved by God. Our corporate core calling, we are a kingdom of priests. The skills, the passions, the wirings, the talents, the experiences, those fall under our unique calling and our corporate calling, our assignments, our tasks, these all fall under our calling and identity. So it's important we have the right orthodoxy when it comes to the particular order that these operate in. Likewise, if you are not called to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, that doesn't mean you are less significant, that you do not have as much of a part to play in leading people to Jesus. On the contrary, the works of the Spirit, when it comes to all the saints that operate outside of APET, this is where the vast majority of people are. This is where most of the life happens. The works of the Spirit happen in many different shapes and sizes, in many forms. And we have to believe that we're all equipped, that we are all positioned to do the work of the Lord and that there are infinite functional ministries that we can be called to. As for next time, we're going to take the APET, the Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Pastor, Teacher, and the Elder and Deacon equipping functions, and we'll filter them through designer, developer, and manager filters. As for now, I encourage you all to rest in the good news that you have a unique set 
of community, spirit, and equipping slash influencing gifts that can have far-reaching impacts in our arenas of influence in the marketplace. Hopefully you learned something new tonight. If not, feel free to leave a comment below or if you have testimony to share, if you need some further clarification on just the difference, the, the common threads between Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians, and Romans 12, Listen, and I would be happy to break it down for you in more coherent detail. If not, we pray a blessing on the rest of your week, and we know the week is just getting started, but at the same time, we want to be here for you. We are rooting for you as always, and as I always say, we'll catch you on the fry. Peace.